everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors, and how those principles incorporated into your life will help you live a happier, more successful life. On um, this Saturday edition, Saturday sit-down, whatever you want to call it, I have an awesome conversation with a falconer. Uh, she works for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Sorry, I'm going to mess that up. National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, NWTF. And I met her down in Texas um, when we were at a podcaster summit. And she had a couple of different birds. She had a kestrel. She had a hawk. I think it was a goshawk. And she had another bird. And I'm going to mess it up if I try and say it. But uh, it was pretty cool to see them in action. And I learned a lot about what it takes to become a falconer. Uh, definitely don't have the time for it, but it is an awesome experience to speak with one. And I've seen a couple of them online, but uh, being up close and personal with these birds that are so powerful, fast, and just birds of prey. I mean, it's amazing. So um, anyway, before we get into that, I wanted to bring up the partners of the show and uh, some companies that I work with as well. And uh, most of them I've got discount codes for, but first off, of course, Absolute Aid. If you need CBD chewables or a rub-on, um, they make a lotion as well if you want the topical solution. But I use the Relief Formula in as part of my routine. I always take a fish oil, multivitamins, and greens from First Form. Um, but if I need something a little extra after those hard days of training, usually it's leg days or uh, just an intense day of training, I will take a CBD chewable from Absolute Aid, THC-free, super clean. Go check out their company. Uh, use the link down below and the code uh, at checkout to save you some money. Also, Affect Beard. Affect Beard Oil is a great company. They're local here in Utah. Um, great smells. But more than anything, uh, no matter what length beard you have, you need some beard oil. And if you got longer beard, I recommend beard butter as well so that you can shape your beard a little bit more. And make it look better and not so unruly. Um, great guy. 10% of your purchase always goes to charity. And then you can also get 10% off with the discount code down below. I also work with First Form. And of course, mainly the First Form outdoor side of things. Uh, it's been great meeting uh, some of the people in person as we were shooting at Mountain Archery Fest. I love working with this company. Such high quality ingredients and they manufacture, they make their own uh, supplements and they're doing everything that they can to bring manufacturing and jobs back here to the U.S. if that's important to you. Uh, but also just what you put into your body is super important to their company as well. Uh, so they want to make sure that you're taken care of. So if you need protein or if you want a pre-workout or if you need a multivitamin, whatever it is, reach out to me. I'd love to help you out. But also, if you already know what you're looking for, go try out the amazing flavors that they have and all the different products that they have. The link down below, uh, you'll get free shipping. And if you don't get free shipping, reach out to me and uh, I'll be able to correct that for you. Um, some other companies that I work with, I don't have a discount code, but some companies that I work with would be Kafaru. Uh, Kafaru International is just an amazing backpacking company, but they also make other gear as well if you're into TP tents, uh, stove tents. But let me tell you, the backpack situation, my goodness, it is the best backpack that I've ever had that carries weight super well. The belt just hugs your hips. Give them a call. They just barely moved. Um, over to Wyoming. So if you're in the Wyoming area, when they get their showroom up and running here pretty uh, pretty soon, you'll be able to go in and get fitted. 
and uh, taken care of. If you're not, their customer service is amazing, amazing, amazing. I don't have another word for it. You can call in, ask all the questions you want. They'll answer them. They'll get you fitted with the right pack. Um, go check out Kafaru International. Don't have a discount code with them, guys, but amazing U.S. quality, U.S. made, manufactured, just a great company. Um, go go get that ordered before hunting season. Uh, outside of that, guys, just uh, go check out my links down below. I want to save you money on things that maybe you're already buying, such as alpenfuel.com. Uh, Alpenfuel is an, another great company that provides gluten-free oatmeal. Their oatmeal, my favorite, is the white chocolate cranberry, but they have many other flavors. And also, if you're looking for meals that aren't granola or oatmeal, uh, then you can also have Heather's Choice and Peak Refuel is sold on their site, and you can save 10% by using my code. So uh, go check them out. They're expanding as of right now. They're getting their own kitchens set up, and I just love seeing smaller companies grow and have success as they produce great quality ingredients in their food. So don't be torn up in your stomach in the backcountry. Go get some Alpen Fuel or Heather's Choice uh, and then Peak Refuel as well, which is also local here to Utah. Okay, guys. Well, now that I've gotten that out of the way, uh, without further ado, here is our amazing conversation with Britt the Falconer from National Wild Turkey Foundation. All right, everyone, I've got a really special guest here, uh, just Britt, or Britt, Brittany, however you want to say it, but she prefers Britt, and she works for the National Wild Turkey Foundation, or is it Federation? Uh, Federation. Federation, okay, National Wild Turkey Federation, and she's also a falconer. So I met her uh, here at this podcast convention, and you know she introduced herself as just Britt, that's why I'm, I'm messing with her about that, but then she turned around and sniped two hogs last night, and pulled out two birds out of the back of her car uh, that turned out to be she's a falconer. So she's a little bit more than just Brit. And uh, Brittany, or Brit, and I'm, I don't like shortening people's names. You know I don't want to mess up. but My name is Brittany on paper, but my friends call me Brit, so you can call me Brit. Okay, awesome. So Brit, uh, give us a little bit more introduction. Who you are, how'd you get with the National Wild Turkey Federation and, uh, and into falconry? Yeah, so... I guess uh, it all started, uh, I went to school at LSU, graduated in wildlife ecology, did a bunch of bird work, and eventually, you know, that led to working for National Wild Turkey Federation through, uh, do a lot of habitat restoration work, and then separately, I am a falconer, um, and that interest, I guess, stemmed from hunting and just having an interest in birds. That's awesome. So you say it stemmed from hunting. Have you, did you grow up hunting or? Yeah, yeah. So I did. Now, I wasn't a great hunter or anything like that, but just being southern, I suppose, especially in south Louisiana, it's kind of a culture. You don't think much about it. Um, you know, I'd go with my dad and we'd go sit in a deer stand uh, together growing up or we go uh, duck hunting during the duck season. And it's just something I was never passionate about. It's just something you did. But then you kind of like move away from that and you realize, whoa, I really did enjoy that. I did really did like doing that. And you just never thought of it before. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you say from because you're from the South, 
uh, that you hunt. And I think a lot of people do. Um, so you were saying deer, did you ever alligator hunt or anything like that? Oh no, I did not. Um, so while I did like deer and, uh, duck hunt, it never really went beyond that. Uh, because I guess I just did what my dad did. Um, yeah, but I, I do have an interest in reptiles and I'll go out and see alligators in the wild, but I haven't, I don't know, gotten an alligator tag or anything like that. Right. Okay. So I, I just was introduced to that. I didn't realize that that was a thing, alligator hunting. Oh, it's uh, a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a thing. Uh, a buddy of mine invited me on an alligator hunt this upcoming year and I told him, I'm like, man, that's smack in the middle of elk season. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that hunt, but uh, it looks interesting. Um, and I've heard alligator meat's pretty good, at least the tail. Yes. So I, I am guilty of that. I will eat alligator and it is so good. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about as far as falconry is concerned. Um, how, I mean, you said hunting, love of birds, but how did that evolve into falconry? Yeah. So I, man, I'm going to be honest. I was just bored one day <laughs> and I, uh, kind of had this friend on social media who was a falconer and I just his stuff just started like popping up and I've seen it his name's Tyler Slayton he lives out in uh, New Mexico and I was like wow this is incredible and you just kind of like know like in your heart like I would be good at this mm -hmm. So, you know, I was going to a horse show. I do uh, or did uh, a lot of hunter-jumper equestrian competition. So I was going out to New Mexico for a show. And I was like, hey, man, you're out here. You hunt with falcons. Uh, I want to come see that. And it kind of just branched out from there. I saw it. I asked him a bunch of questions. I went back to Texas, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I applied, I took my state test, I found a sponsor, which is a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I was hunting with my own birds, like, later on that year. That's awesome. That's yes. And it was, uh, I wouldn't say it was easy, but like, yeah, as easy as that. I saw it and I wanted it. I did it. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I love that. That's a good attitude to have. Now, kind of walk us through that process. I am interested in, and for those of you out there listening, uh, we're going to kind of dive into this falconry thing because I have a good friend of mine that is up in Montana. He loves falcons. Um, and he, he's told me a little bit about the process, but I'm, I'm interested to hear from your perspective. Um, how was that process? What is a sponsor? Like those sorts of deals that, that go on with the falconry. Yeah. So, um, these birds, the majority of falconry birds are taken out of the wild. You are trapping them. So there's a lot of rules and regulations kind of like surrounding that. So falconry is a process and there is red tape to get through. You can't just go out and mingle with the birds. That's very illegal. So <laughs> you have to apply to your local state wildlife and fisheries for a falconry permit. And now there's three different levels. There is the apprentice level, the general level, then the master level. So you start at the apprentice level you apply you have to study and pass a hundred question state test to get your license you also have to find a falconry sponsor so this falconry sponsor is a licensed falconer of five years or more that is able to kind of take you under their wing and 
legally sign off saying like, hey, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to teach them falconry. I'm not going to let them kill their bird. You know, we're going to go over things together so that it's safe for the falconer and the bird. And for two years, they kind of help you. Um, so finding a sponsor, taking the test, the last step is getting your equipment and having a state uh, inspector or warren or anyone that's qualified from the state to come to your house and ex- like inspect your equipment and the place where your falcon or hawk is going to live. And they have to just see it and make sure that it's approved and it's safe for the bird. And then when you're done with that, which sounds like such a lengthy process, and it can be sometimes, uh, you're given your trapping permit, and you're able to go out and trap your own bird. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit more, too, about this. Because, uh, I mean, did you just Google how do you find a sponsor for falconry? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in a sense, I did do that. Okay. So I Googled my state club, which was the Texas Hawking um, Association. And Texas, like falconry, is so great. I mean, that around the, uh, the whole U.S., falconers are pretty good. But I find that the Texas falconers are really friendly, really helpful. You know, you get what you put in. I reached out, and I was like, look. I want to do falconry. I'm looking to see it in the state. Um, Is there anyone local to the Houston area I can meet with and kind of like bounce some questions off of them um, and, you know, maybe get this going? Well, found this girl, Aisha Rimbert, and we met at a Starbucks and, you know, we were just going to meet for like an hour or something. No. We sat at that Starbucks all day (laughs) and like she became one of my best friends. And talking about falconry, just nerding out about it in general, like animal training, housing, how to do it. And from there, you know, she kind of vouched for me like, hey, you know, this girl's legit. You know, we had good conversations. She's not in it because it's her spirit animal or anything ridiculous like that. Like, you know, the real nitty gritty parts of falconry. And so I found a sponsor. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So you did literally Google it. And then- <laughs> I know. I did. I did. But uh, I do. That doesn't happen for everybody. Right. It's about getting out there, finding the falconry community, mm. and trying to be a part of it. Because while I did get really lucky with the person that I met and we really clicked together, um, that doesn't always happen. You know, you might meet somebody and y'all just don't click and maybe you go to a falconry meet to see falconry and you know, there'll be like a bunch of falconers there and you can mingle and talk with ones and go out and watch them hunt and be like, you know what? I like the way they do things. I'd like to be sponsored by that person. Gotcha. So, you know, it's, it's getting out there and finding yourself a sponsor and a friend and making sure that you are a teachable open-minded person gotcha that's cool that's really cool so yeah so you start with a sponsor and then uh eventually you trap your own bird right yes so talk us through that process a little bit how do you trap (laughs) these amazing i mean speed demons of the sky you know how do you trap them yeah so uh there are like you said a speed demon but there's also like monster trucks and uh (laughs) you know different (laughs) types of birds and different types of birds require different types of trapping techniques so let's say 
of peregrine falcon. Well, guess what? Peregrine falcons, they like birds. They like to kill little birds. So a pigeon is something that would attract them. Where, oh, I want to trap a red-tailed hawk. Well, maybe not use a pigeon. Maybe I'll use like a rat. Something more attractive to them. So you have to kind of think about what you're going after. But I'll use a red-tailed hawk as my example because that is a lot of people's first birds. They're great animals. So you go out, kind of um, how I do it is I drive up and down like country roads where traffic is very minimal. And guess what? Those hawks are just out on like telephone poles and they're hunting. So this is a great setup. They're easy to see. Well, now you get into some rules about trapping. You can only trap a bird that's less than a year old, but old enough to like be flying and out on its own. There are uh, some rules for taking, uh, I guess, like IS or, you know, very young birds out of the, uh, the nest, but we're not going to talk about that. Okay. So typically a bird that you're going to trap is going to be out on the wing, but less than a year old. And you're like, well, how do I even tell if the bird is less than a year old? Well, (laughs) most birds have different juvenile and adult plumages. So, you know, they'll leave the nest and their first set of feathers is going to look different than when they molt in the spring. Okay. So you have this, like, I guess, like, eight months, nine months of uh, this unique coloration they are before they turn to their adult colors, their adult molt feathers. And a red-tailed hawk, their juvenile plumage includes a, I guess, like a brown striped tail. They do not get their red tail until that first molt. Mm, So, you know, you use your bios, and you look at the bird, and you're like, yep, I see the brown tail and some other markings. Um, It's a juvie. Let's set the trap down. Okay. And so you're like, oh, well, where do you set down a trap? You know, like, what What in the world? I'm telling you, you can set a trap like 50 yards away. Mm-hmm. The bird will see it. Okay. So this trap is going to be more like a wire mesh cage. You're okay. going to have the rat on the inside, and then around the wire mesh is going to be little filamental, like, loops and okay. nooses. So you set it down. The bird is going to see the rat come down and try and grab it with its feet. And they're going to just get caught in the nooses. It's really as simple as that. And you're like, oh, is that it? Yeah, that's literally it. It's so easy. Wow, that's awesome. And then, I mean, I imagine it's how they're flopping. It's it's not really injured, but it's tied up a little bit because, you know, it gets hooked in into those loops. So uh, how do you get it? from there i mean it's not going to want to be held (laughs) no no it's not so uh yeah the thing about these traps and which is called a balshery or a bc trap is they're very very safe for the bird that's why they're used this way because it won't knock their wings it just kind of holds onto their uh their feet right so uh going ahead and getting the uh the bird out of the trap you go up, you might have like a towel, you put it over the bird. So you don't want them to associate people right. with that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it, you're kind of setting the stage for the training later with trying to let it avoid that bad experience. But, you know, you just go in there carefully. You grab their upper legs. You kind of secure it, and then you loosen the nooses, and there you go. That's There's awesome. your bird. That's <laughs> awesome. Cool. And, I mean, so you've got a glove on, right, when you get the bird? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, I guess it's it, supposed it's safer, safer to go ahead and use a glove. Yeah. Does it try and attack you? I mean, does it try and nip at you or anything? Oh, yeah. Or it, okay. Yeah, it does. Um, Like, the bird will either attack you or it'll be so freaked out mm. that it won't have much of a response. But, mm. I mean, it's not going to be happy, which right. is why you want to cover the head. Okay. Um, so that it doesn't see you and it kind of goes into a... Uh, I don't want to say a relaxed state because it certainly isn't relaxed, but you know, it just kind of stays still. Yeah, like an understimulated because they're very eye centric yes. birds and they have super good eyesight. So if they're overstimulated, they kind of freak out. Kind of like when you were showing us your birds, mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't eat because they had so many new faces, new people. Yeah, and them. he's a total weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He's certainly not the most social bird I've ever had right. being a goshawk. But, um, but yeah, we also have hoods that mm. you put on the bird's head and they're nice and secure so they won't be able to see so people also use like trapping hoods so they'll catch a bird and as, uh, rather than using like the towel they'll slip a hood over okay. on its head cool that's awesome that's pretty cool and then uh so you you have a hawk a goshawk and a kestrel Was that? yes okay. currently i am uh like flying a kestrel and i have a goshawk and you prefer the kestrel? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I prefer whichever one, uh, which hunting season I'm in. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So what made you determine uh, to get a goshawk versus, you were saying, red tails, where a lot of people start? What was your first bird, I guess, would be a good question. Yeah, I flew red tails. Okay. I mean, they're, they're an amazing bird, especially. So when picking a bird, you got to be smart about it. You have to look about where you live because that determines the type of bird and prey you're okay. going to, um, I guess, get. Because it makes no sense to get a bird, like let's say a falcon that mm -hmm. lives in open um, areas and, you know, they're really successful, like let's say on ducks. Right. But you live in a big forested area, but you might have a duck or two. Well, guess what? It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at where you are. And so I am in the Southeast. We have a lot of squirrels. Okay. Got hardwood forest and squirrels. So what am I gonna fly? A red-tailed hawk. That's like the perfect bird for that area. Um, goshawks also do work too, mm -hmm. but that's a, you know, that's a different conversation um, that I'm kind of experimenting with. So red-tailed hawk, that's going to be your bird, mm. typically. So I flew a lot of them on squirrels. Right. Okay. And generally, now you were saying that the goshawk can be a little different, and there are some exceptions, but generally hawks go for ground game um, versus falcons go for feathers, right? Flying. Very general, yeah. yes. Yeah. What's the – I mean, why is that? Do you know? Uh, it's just kind of what they're built for. Yeah. Um, you know, we did say the thing about the, like, the goshawk. So, exhibitors in general are very, like, fast, agile hawks. Mm. Um, so, they do catch, uh, I guess, like, birds. 
that's kind of their thing. But a hawk in general is going to be a heavier, slower animal rather than a falcon is going to have like aerial, uh, you know, the advantage up there. Right. Where they couldn't use like any crushing power to like, let's say, get a rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, yeah. So more muscle on a hawk in a way. They're more like the muscle cars and then you got the, because they still go fast, but they're more powerful. Yeah. Think about like a hawk is a crusher. Okay. And a falcon is more like a puncher. Okay, cool. Because I've seen that where I think it was a peregrine. Because they can get really fast, can't they? Oh yeah. They um they when they dive and they're I, I read something once that the stealth bomber was designed to be the same like shape as the profile of a peregrine falcon. Is that yeah? Yeah. Because they get up to what over two hundred miles an hour sometimes in a dive, right? Yeah, I believe that is the uh, the top, but that is like a committed dive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some. It's crazy because. Uh, I was watching a video the other day of this duck that was sitting there and you just see this blur and the Oh my ducks, god, I've seen that and, video. Right? And the duck's yes. dead. And I was like, what the heck? And then they play it in slow-mo and you see this falcon come down and just knock him out. That was right? a prairie falcon. Yeah. Yes. They are crazy. hard hitters. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy video. And uh it, it's it's interesting to to think that these birds I mean, they're designed for for that. And when they tuck their wings in or they dive, like I can't imagine flying in general let alone like being these dive bombers or you know attack things that are coming out of the sky like it's it's cool it's interesting to me you were saying off off uh before we started recording that because i'm interested in the vocalization of turkeys and elk mainly that i'd be interested in falconry now kind of delve into that a little bit why is that the case okay so i was saying that because like it's very interactive mm. So this is the type of hunting that I love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while like growing up, I said that I went to like a deer stand and that's like very, to me, not like taking away anyone else's joy, but like that's very passive to me Mm -hmm. and that's very easy. You just kind of like go relax in a stand. The deer shows up, you you shoot it, call it a day. Like, (laughs) you know, nothing wrong with that. Me... And why I just get so passionate about falconry is you are part of the hunt. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be interactive or it's not happening. Right. That bird is relying on you and you are relying on that bird. And y'all are both actively working together Mm -hmm. to catch a game species. So let's let's take uh, like a... I guess, like, falcons on ducks, like, that type of situation. Well, uh, or or we can do, like, red-tail hawks on uh, squirrels. I put my my red tail up in the trees. I am walking through the forest trying to look for squirrels, and my red tail is following me from tree to tree. Well, I am wanting my red tail to go up kind of toward the top of the trees so they can be looking up and I have the ground and we can kind of cover it from that. And they are waiting for me to find a squirrel because a squirrel is so smart. I had no respect for squirrels until I started (laughs) hunting these things. Like, and I thought it was going to be easy. I really did. I was just like, squirrels, just this dumb thing up in the tree. Like I've seen them, (laughs) whatever. They're everywhere. No, they are smart. 
And once you go into the woods and start hunting them, they hide from you. Like, they are clever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go in. The squirrels are, like, gone. They're hiding. They are, like, sticking to the under uh, parts of branches. They're trying to outsmart you. Mm -hmm. So it's up to me to go find, like, nests or vines that are connected to the treetops mm. and shake the branches and try and actually flush one of these squirrels out to get okay. them out into the open well you know like it's not a passive thing i have to kind of use my smarts to find these squirrels right and then once i find the squirrel and i flush it out let's say i just like grab the vine and shook it and then scared a squirrel enough that they r made a run for it mm -hmm. well i call in my bird she swoops in, she tries to find uh, the squirrel, and we are actively chasing. So, you know, the squirrel's gonna go from tree to tree. Mm -hmm. I have to run along the bottom and make sure that the squirrel stays up in the trees anytime it tries to come down, where my bird works it from the top. And we try and corner the squirrel in a situation where the bird can take a, like a, I guess like a, a dive at it mm, where it can okay. grab it on the way to the ground and like red tails are really cool because they like to crash through branches mm. and stuff like they are incredible at that um so it's like a 3d chess match and you know like let's say i scared up the squirrel and then i was just like okay go get it buddy well guess what my bird's not going to be that successful because mm. squirrels are quick you know yeah. like it's going to have the advantage but with me and the bird working together we're able to kind of catch our quarry and to me that's just so much fun yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of thinking has to go into it to outsmart them yeah and like cut them off and make sure that the squirrel is like oh i'm going to distract it right here and that split second's going to like be good for my bird to come in from behind yeah that's awesome. That's that's really cool. That definitely is a lot more interactive than I was thinking. Um, I need to borrow your bird when I go elk hunting, and uh, <laughs> because they're the most, the squirrels are the most annoying thing when you're in the elk woods because they set off alarm bells. Oh yeah, throughout the entire forest, and it's really annoying. Um, yeah, this one time I was this last year I was sitting in a spot, and it was dead quiet, like the birds were chirping and everything, and this one squirrel spotted me. And it was on from there. Like he was just chirp, chirp. And then like all of them started doing their little bark thing. It was like alarm bells were going off. And of course <laughs> I didn't end up seeing any elk. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome that um, it's a lot more intense than I was thinking. I thought you just kind of let your bird fly. Nope. And then they came back with some quarry, you know, um, that, that is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. And I was kind of going to touch on like the, uh, like a falcon on ducks, but you know, they, it, it's all just, like, thinking it out. Like, you have to pay attention to, like, oh, well, I'm going to put my falcon up in the air. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to flush these ducks. Which way is the wind coming yeah. from? You know, what angle do I want my falcon to come in where it has the best chance of, uh, you know, catching the ducks? Oh, I got to protect the pond because once the ducks flush, I don't want the ducks coming back. I want right. them to be very unsafe over the land because those ducks are going to see the falcon and want to come mm. back to the water to be mm -hmm. safe like you have to really play the game and uh keep the quarry in a catchable situation so the so the ducks are safe on the water they are safe really? on the water yes because the the falcon's worried about hitting the water yes because they can't and, swim and yeah. you know like let's say the the falcon goes in and uh knocks a duck on the water well 
what good is that? I mean, they can't take it out of the water, mm. you know, and generally an injured duck is just going to sit there on the water and dive gotcha. anytime someone tries to get it or because they can't pick up the duck because it's either bigger than them or the same size it's a little correct it's too big okay so you know the only time the duck is catchable is when it's over the land Mm. okay that makes sense Uh, yeah and those are little things that you just don't think about you know yeah there's so many intricate things Mm -hmm. and they don't obviously they don't go for fish or anything like that like eagles do correct okay cool and hawks do hawks go for fish at all I mean, you have the osprey, and there's, you know, different birds that will take, like, a fish. I mean, they'll they'll eat what they can get. Mm -hmm. But um, in falconry, you do not use, like, fish-eating species Mm -hmm. typically. There is someone out there trying to make osprey falconry a thing, and I hope they do it. But just the dynamics of falconry doesn't really work too well. Yeah, osprey are really big. They're big birds. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, think about it. A bird is inherently selfish. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll use your partnership because you make their life easy. Right. They realize, like, oh, well, when I hunt with this human, it's easy for me. Rather than being out on my own, then I have to wait for hours for a chance of prey. This right. person, I follow them, and they make it happen. Like, it, it, it's a very, like, self-serving thing. Gotcha. Um. So when a bird or your, uh, your raptor like catches its prey, it doesn't want to give it to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of go through training where like, okay, if you catch this, I give you this. Gotcha. And you kind of like have a pre-made like little piece of food that's mm-hmm. easier for them to take rather than them using all their energy to pluck or kill their yeah. own prey. So uh, that's, the, you know, the trade-off. But with, like, let's say you're trying to catch stuff with, you know, your fish eagle or, you know, something like that. Well, guess what? That bird's going to catch the fish and they can fly off with it. They're not going (laughs) to want to sit around and, like, have an interaction with you and do a trade-off because they're like, oh, well, my food's right here. See ya. Yeah. Because they're done. Okay. They're done with you. Yeah. So, you know, there's parts of falconry that make it work. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. And somewhere I heard the way, so falcons generally don't like squeeze with their talons afterwards, right? Whereas Correct. hawks do. Correct. <clears throat> and what they're doing is they're puncturing the organs, right? So they are just kind of crushing the animal mm. to death. I mean, I hate to be brutal like oh, that, but is like it, is. it isn't a quick kill. It's not quick at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, in general, in my falconry, I go in and I kill the animal myself. I'll My bird will be on it. My bird will be, like, holding whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's down. Let's say it's a duck or, like, a rabbit. I'll just go in there and, like, stretch its neck and kill okay. it. You know, give it a nice little quick end because it's, it's a brutal process yeah. if I wasn't there. Gotcha. And that's just hawks, right? Oh, I mean, so... If a falcon gets, like, a really good hit, yeah. Mm. Like, the duck's going to be out cold. Um, Or, but in general, they'll, like, they'll hit it out of the sky Mm -hmm. and, like, really injure it. Go back around, land on it, and falcons have this, uh, it's not a tooth, but it's more like a notch in their beak. 
and it's specially like designed for them to bite down and kind of sever the uh their neck mm, mm-hmm. so they'll go down and do that gotcha so it's a little bit quicker with a falcon then uh yes because they're typically killing like less hardy prey gotcha cool okay that makes sense that's that's definitely a lot more interactive um than i i could have imagined that's cool because so you know people argue about uh or not argue but they discuss you know bow versus rifle with hunting and it's almost like your weapon of choice is a bird you know (laughs) yeah and and you're you're being super interactive and i'm all about you know a a buddy of mine uh, dan staten says always be tinkering and and it sounds like it's similar with falconry always be tinkering you know you're you're always either your bird gets old enough that it flies away you release it whatever you're changing birds uh-huh. um and you're you're going through the training process over and over and over again and so i i do like that that's something that seems really cool um because you it, again it's a tool like i hate to say birds are a tool but you have that relationship yeah but at the same no, time it, it is. is your, if your, your tool's weapon of not choice. working for you 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 did something wrong yeah. you know like for sure exactly exactly uh that that's really cool so um we'll get back on on falconry here in a little bit but i do want to ask that so the national wild turkey federation um is explain to me what that is for the listeners out there yeah so it is a uh like a nonprofit that raises money for turkey conservation essentially and they're pretty good at that they uh you know, they do promote hunting and, you know, love of the bird, but we also do, like, real habitat work and, you know, help out in, like, studies and, um, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah, no, definitely. So, and out of all the turkeys, because I, I just recently realized that there were multiple different species of turkeys. I just hear the gobble and I'm like, okay, there's farm turkeys and there's <laughs> wild turkeys, right? But there's there's Rios, there's Osceolas, um, Eastern, name, Eastern turkeys, Merriams. Oh, Merriams, that's, yeah, that's the other one. And then isn't there one like Mexico specific? Yes, yes. It starts with an O and I'm embarrassed that so I'm not, not able It's not Osceola, to- it's a... Uh, I'll have to look it up, but so oscillated. Uh, yes, there yes. you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so it, embarrassed it right like, now. <laughs> it sounds like Osceola, but yeah, it's oscillated. So there's a whole bunch of them. Um, you've never hunted turkeys officially, and we were talking yes, about that. Yes, we did talk about yeah, that. Which is which is great that you're so you're wanting to get into it again yes. for the interactive piece, and that's why you know I, I'm not much of a bird hunter, and I think I've mentioned that before on on my podcast, but um, we were talking about this uh, off air about how for me. It seems like, you know, you're cold, uh, you're, you have to clean the meat, which isn't a lot of meat. You're getting the pellets out of it. And it just, it just seems like a lot of work for me <laughs> and not in a lot of cold for sitting there again, sitting there kind of passively almost. I know some people call them in, you've got the, um, you know, the decoys out there and everything, uh-huh. but like, and that's, and I did want to mention not, nothing against people that sit in a stand, right? Because some people do get super dedicated to put trail cams and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I agree, it's very passive as far as the mo- in the moment that you're hunting. Um, you know, I just recently got done with a hog hunt where we were sitting in stands, and like it took it, it was frustrating because we were sitting at night as well, and I couldn't read. You can't do anything. You're just sitting there waiting for something to come in. Whereas if I'm hunting out west. If I don't see animals in that canyon or that draw, I'm moving. I yes. can walk. I can move. I can do 
And, and so anyway, circling back around to turkeys, uh, that's why I do like turkeys. They're the only birds that I hunt because, um, you can interact with them. You call with them, you get to see them with their hens. You get to see them puff up the drumming that they do, uh, which I just also recently learned about is, oh my gosh, that's awesome. It gets your heart pumping just like an elk bugle does. Um, but so tell me a little bit more about why turkeys, why do you enjoy turkeys? I mean, you know, like I kind of said earlier, I'm a bird nerd and, you know, you typically you think about a stupid, dumb turkey. It's just this brown, goofy bird, whatever. You eat it on Thanksgiving. But then you really look at turkeys, and they are beautiful. Like, they have these opalescent, like, shiny feathers, like, everywhere. It's so glossy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have these cool, like, str- like social structures, um, you know, it's just something to get excited about. Um, it's a very cool bird. Um, and then you talked about like hunting them. You know, I I work for a National Wild Turkey Federation. I've never killed a turkey or hunted them. <laughs> it is a joke with my coworkers and we have a bet that I am trying to kill the turkey this year. So mm-hmm. I have been up on my stuff. I have been learning how to do turkey calls, uh, you know, like best like techniques. Uh, it's all been in writing, but I'm going to try and, I guess, in a week or two, yep. go out there, start trying to set myself up and get one. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I haven't killed a tom yet, um, but I've taken a, a handful of hens um, in our fall season where we can hunt, uh, the non-bearded turkeys and I do it with a bow. A lot of people, most people prefer it with a shotgun. Um, I like the challenge of, cause we say dumb birds, but man, if these birds aren't smart, oh, when, you've got a, smart. when you've got a bird, <laughs> when you've got a bow in your hand, they are the smartest little devils out there. And the worst sound for me. And I, it's funny cause the first time I went out and hunted them, I forgot they could fly. And so, (laughs) so like I'm getting in on, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting so close. And then you hear the worst sound of the world, the, as they fly off and I'm like, oh, and they go across the draw and I'm like, well, there's another hike and they know I'm here. So it's kind of busted, but, um, yeah, they're pretty, they're, they're smart when they want to be, but they can also be pretty dumb because you can, you say you've been working on your calls, but like you can, when a, when a Tom is really hot. You can make the dumbest little, you know, wobbly sound with your mouth and he'll sound off, you know, like it's ridiculous, um, but I love it. She sounds cool and crazy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Coming over. Exactly, exactly. So uh, it gets a lot of people passionate about it. And I know a lot of people that love turkey hunting um, and it's crazy too, because uh, so they look big-ish when you're out, especially mountain ones um, that don't hold a lot of fat. And then uh, you pluck them and there's like, no meat <laughs> you're like oh. <laughs> but uh but yeah that, that's really cool I, I you know hope you in the next couple of weeks you're able to get one are you doing it here in texas no so i um i'm in louisiana that's where my projects are and so i'm gonna try and get one in louisiana on like public land mm-hmm. which is gonna be me like just struggling by myself out there like trying to learn <laughs> this but you know if that doesn't work out 
that's fine because I have this great like group group of friends who are actually also falconers <laughs> and we're gonna go to a ranch in Colorado and we're gonna be there all together one of them is my good friend who is a biologist mm-hmm. for uh, Missouri and she's gonna help me get one yeah. we're gonna get a Marion's that's awesome that's really cool so Miriam's is that your favorite turkey you know, I don't, I don't have a favorite one. Okay. I don't, I don't. Um, if I kill it, that probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I have a special place in my heart for Easterns, as mm-hmm. common as they are, because that's just the ones I have around me. Yeah. That's the ones that I've helped trap and ban. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about this whole Merriam's thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty Here cool. they're a sight. What's the, the ones that are more blonde? They almost have like a bleach look to their feathers. I'm trying to remember. Is that the Osceola? A, I the, think it's the Merriam's. The Merriam's, um, okay. And then I, I, I did not know this. I learned about this reading. Um, I guess it was only last week. They have like these special color phases. Mm. They're like a fire turkey. What? Uh, yeah, they're kind of like a dusty, uh, lack of melaton uh, okay. bird out there. I mean, you know, they're rare, like, oh, an albino turkey. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Recently read something about that. I thought that was neat. A fire turkey. Cool. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I mean, that is probably not the word for it, but it was like fire something turkey. It's going to be coined that now. <laughs> okay. Yes. Official. Fire uh, something turkey. Right. That's awesome. So... So the three, I mean, the, the main things that I talk about on the podcast and in my post is um, faith and family. I kind of wrap those into one. We discussed that a little bit. You growing up hunting with your family um, now and then fitness in the outdoors. Uh, I'd say that working with your falcon, if you do it right, the way you were describing it, takes a little bit of, of work outside. So one, you're getting outside and two, it's fitness because you're trying to keep up with the bird. Oh, vice yeah, versa, the bird's keeping up with you. But like. <laughs> You're having to run or, you know, hike or find the bird again, you know, things like that. Um, tell me a little bit more. So you grew up hunting whitetails. Uh, was there anything else that you did with your family in the outdoors that you grew up doing that you still do today? Oh, yeah. Like, I still go hunting with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, like, a little West uh, Texas uh, lease, mm-hmm. I guess, last year. And we might be ending it this year. It hasn't really worked out. Yeah. But, you know, we'll go out there for, like, the weekend and, I guess, like, either shoot pigs or, mm-hmm. you know, try and get that, like, one big deer. Yeah. Um, also, we have uh, some stands in Louisiana, and I'll go with him. Always do the, like, you know, Christmas duck hunt. Okay. Um, especially when I lived out of state. You know, I'm back in Louisiana now where I'm from, so I am closer to my family. But I lived in California and mm. Texas for most of my adult life away from them. But I'd come back and see them during the holidays, and guess what? Mm. We went duck hunting. Yeah. So just kind of part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And as far as – so for fitness wise you know you work with your falcon but do you do anything whether it be in the gym running um you seem like a pretty fit individual <laughs> okay don't judge me i i've been meaning to like start really getting uh fitter and i'll go to the gym every once in a while because it, it is nice to just like put on an audiobook mm, yep. and like do the elliptical but 
I would say a lot of my fitness comes from riding horses, okay. uh, doing hunter jumper equestrian. I did retire my horse last year, so I am going to have to find a solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about that too. You Way did, to bring that up. Right. You, yeah. Well, there you go. You, uh, you did mention that earlier. So you said hunter jumper equestrian. Can you explain yes. that? What is that? That's a lot of words. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I say that to try and be more like specific, but like, okay. You watch the Olympics and they have the horses that do the jump course, you know, that is what it is. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Do you so, get dressed up in the fancy with the hat and the Oh, pants you know it. I that's do. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I've seen, I've seen some of that. Um, and you know, you look at it and you think, man, that's kind of simple, but it's really not. It's so intricate, just like training the birds and setting up your hunt. And like, you know, it's a lot of uh, technique plus intuition in the mm. moment. And, you know, it's not to go off on a tangent, but go like it. it's it's a math problem. Mm. And we're going to put it in the simplest way I can. It's a math problem. So the horse has a certain like length of its stride. Well, you have to know that stride because guess what? The jumps have a certain number of strides you can put in between them. And you have to just intuitively know and always be counting the number of steps your horse takes because it's a math problem. You want that horse to land and then be able to get from the landing point to the next jumping point in a rhythm of strides that will not make it like jump too far or get it too close to the jump where it can miss you know you're always calculating so you're telling your horse to lengthen its stride mm -hmm. or shorten the stride get a little bit quicker slow down like it is a literal math problem or yeah. like taking turns you're like oh i want to be quicker so if i take this inside turn i can get to that jump in four strides rather than if i go this way it's going to be five strides mm. which means more time right so it's just constantly doing those calculations knowing your ability you know not setting your horse up to fail mm -hmm. but getting them in the proper place but That's yeah awesome. it's 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 a thing <laughs> yeah you definitely look at it and i just always looked at it and i was like these people kind of look like <laughs> old English, like just, <laughs> just, okay, that's your thing. Cool. Not judging, but it just seems a little, I don't know, just different. Like you don't think about how in intricate it is, like what you were just yeah. explaining. No, it gets hardcore yeah. and the good, the people that are good at it, make it look easy. Mm. And so that's the whole thing. <laughs> yes. That's the problem. People that are good at things make things look easy. Yes. Um, but that, that definitely takes like, if you haven't ever ridden a horse before, um, that takes a level of fitness that, uh, I mean, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's a weird <laughs> level of fitness. It's something that you don't think you need to be fit for, you know? Yeah, but you, you better be fit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially if, how many hours would you say when you're in the thick of it and training, how many hours a day would you spend with your horse? Uh, at least four days a week. I'd be out there mm -hmm. riding. But how many hours each of those four days? Ooh, maybe <laughs> on the horse, no more than two. Okay. Which you're like, oh, well, that's not a lot. Mm -hmm. But you do a lot of very intense stuff in, like, that time. And that's just, like, if I have my one horse, not like, oh, Brittany, go jump on this horse and, you know, give it an exercise mm -hmm. ride or, you know, something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Have you ever, so you, you mentioned, and I'm just thinking horses and in my <laughs> world, horses are for packing things. <laughs> and so I've never used them. Um, I've got someone else that I know that uses llamas. They prefer llamas to pack uh-huh. things. Um, they're a little bit more well-mannered, I guess, is what he was telling me. I don't know. I, I see that you can get a bad horse, you can get a bad llama, right? Right. Um, just like you can get a bad dog, uh, you can get a bad human. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> uh, just they all have personalities. But have you ever done like a an into the backcountry trip with horses? No. No? Is that I something you not. want to I've do? I've only had uh, a lot of just sissy ring horses. Sissy ring horses. <laughs> <laughs> the bougie horses, right? The bougie horses. <laughs> no, I, I've taken my... So I say that as a joke, yeah. just generalization, but my horse that I uh, just retired, he was actually a, a real badass. He wasn't a sissy ring horse. Nothing really spooked him. He mm. was a very steady kind of fellow. I, at one point, took him into some trails in mm. Northeastern area with a group of friends. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, like, sissy ring horse that you could just bring out on the beach or, you know, do mm-hmm. fun things, and they're not going to, like freak out <laughs> yeah that's awesome uh so but nothing hardcore if, like backcountry yeah. on those horses i just it's not that i wouldn't want to do it i just i suppose haven't had the opportunity yeah well you're going out to colorado with turkey so why not <laughs> <laughs> um so what what i mean is that something that you ever would be interested in do you think since you love horses is that does it translate over to something that you'd want to do or is it kind of like my horses are in the ring my falcons are out you know like it kind of kind of like what you're saying mm-hmm. like to go on trail rides with my horse doesn't really appeal to me as yeah. a sport or okay. like something i would i mean i guess it's enjoyable but yeah. that's not something i would seek out Gotcha. You like the high intense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm a cool. sucker for the competition. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I saw. I have to have like a purpose and I have to be able to get better at right. it or, you know, and I mean, trails are pretty and relaxing, Yeah. but I just don't think it would give me that drive where I wake up and I'm like, okay, I got to do this. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're, you're more of the fancy hats and, and pants than uh, um, a cowgirl. Yes, okay. yes. I, I, I will own that because that is just a side of me that I love. Um, you know, I can have the wildlife biologist bird-wielding other person out in the field yeah. some, you know, like the other time, but mm-hmm. I like my fancy jackets. Yeah, That's it. there's a That's time awesome. and place. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, because we were backpacking in the Sawtooth Mountains, um, a couple years ago and we were going down this rock slide and these horses were coming up from the other side. And I was like, I wouldn't want to be off of my own two feet going over this rock slide. Uh-huh. Cause if that horse goes, you're gone. Like right. you're going with it. There's, I'd be scared. Yeah. That, and that's, and you're comfortable with horses. Okay. So I'm not weird thinking. <laughs> no, that that was... I don't think you're weird, <clears throat> but maybe I just don't have the experience like yeah. all those other people, but, uh, I wouldn't want to be on my own horse. Right. I'd be like, I'm going to walk you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you're I'm on like, your what own, are buddy. you guys doing? Um, but you know, they're obviously comfortable with it. And, uh, and I just asked that because I, you know what, there's some allure or appeal to take horses deeper into the back country and go elk hunting. People do that a lot. Um, so they don't have to pack the meat out. Right. 
And so I just didn't know if that was something, but it doesn't sound like you, you like yeah. to keep them separate, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. I just coming from my mindset, that's what horses are used for. Yeah. But your mindset is more <laughs> of the competition, quick burst of running, jumping and uh, all that math calculation that you like to do in your head. So yeah. I'm surprised you don't have like a calculator right there while you're riding your horse. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, cool. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked about falconry that you would want to share with the listeners or, you know, if you're speaking with someone that maybe wants to get into it? Yeah. I mean, I guess the best way and, um, to think about falconry, especially if you're interested in it, you're like, man, I love eagles and hawks and I want a way to like interact with them. And, you know, I just feel strongly. Well, I just want to let you know that falconry is hunting. Falconry is not having a pet bird. Falconry is not, you know, bird show tricks. It is a legitimate way to hunt. So in that aspect, like you need to really respect the bird. And if you're going to go down that path, you have to be committed to taking game and hunting, not just having an interesting pet. Yeah. Yeah. So not having like a cockatiel or something like that in your, in your Correct. House. <laughs> it's not really fair to the yeah. bird. Yeah. There it's, it would be like having, you know, that again, souped up muscle car or Ferrari or something and just letting it sit in your garage and gather dust, you know, Correct. it's not fair to the bird. It's, it's, and, uh, especially when you're taking it from the wild into captivity, you know? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And you want to keep it as wild as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And how long do you typically keep the bird? So everyone's different. There's people that like a tr- like to trap a new bird every year. Mm-hmm. So they'll trap a bird at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. train it, hunt with it, and then in the springtime they'll let it go. Okay. And then they will just get a new one. There's other people that like to keep their bird and then, um, you know, summer and spring, or spring and summertime, they'll molt it out, and then they'll get back to hunting whenever fall comes around. I, my personal belief is, if I have a bird and it is good at what it does, I will keep it. Yeah. If it keeps its, uh, I guess like, its end of the partnership. Guess what? You get to stay on my team. Mm-hmm. But if the bird is ever getting like unenthusiastic or hard to deal with where they're just not you know they they're kind of like taking you for granted Mm -hmm. and they're getting lazy in the hunts and they're just not into it anymore then yeah i'll release it and i'll get a different bird you know maybe a young and dumb one who's like gonna be all out Mm -hmm. which is the fun thing about new birds because they're these young birds uh that are very enthusiastic where a more experienced older bird can lose some of that because they're going to be a lot more calculated. They're going to be a lot more uh, slow to the punch, but, Mm -hmm. you know, steady Eddie. And that's not all of them, but a lot of people tends to like lose their appeal with that. So it, it just depends on who you are. What's your long-term goals with the bird, if they're working out or not. Mm -hmm. Cool. That makes sense. And then how long have you been doing this? Me? Uh, five years. Five years. So you'd be a sponsor now. 
Yes, yes. You and want to be a sponsor. No, I don't think I do. <laughs> now, if the right person comes along, yeah, sure, yes. But, you know, there's doers and then there's people that can tell people mm. how to do. Mm. I, I'm not a perfectionist, but I just feel like if I was a sponsor, I wouldn't be a great teacher because mm. uh, I would just like feel everything they did like yeah. so much. You'd want to take the bird from them and do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but you know, it would just like be hard for me to like watch them fail or mm. like if yeah. they didn't take me seriously, you know, in, in instructions, mm. like, I don't know. I just feel like I wouldn't be a great sponsor uh, right now. Right. But no, I hear you. If someone comes along and I really like vibe with them and I feel like, yes, this person could be good at this and mm. they're going to take it seriously, then yes, then I am more inclined to help them out. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree that there's, there's people that are made to be teachers yes. and that are just naturally good at it. They don't get frustrated with the process. And it's not that you would be upset with the person, but you would feel that, that as if it was your bird, you wouldn't yes. want them like to fail. Like you feel the, uh, I don't know the success or you'd feel right. like the loss or the frustration and it's hard to separate it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I just figured I'd ask. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, you know, it's been awesome having you on and I appreciate having this conversation. It's, uh, again, falconry is, is something that I'm, I don't know much about and it's cool to hear people get so passionate about it. And, uh, if people want to look you up, want to follow you or adventure or anything, what, where can they find you? Yeah, so I did start a Instagram, uh, <laughs> you know, like all the cool kids. <laughs> so it's going to be at winged underscore hunt. Um, and so that's my name, Britt. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on, Britt. And uh, I appreciate your time. And everyone, go check her out on Instagram. Follow her journey uh, through Falconry. And uh, again, thank you for, for your time today. And as I always say, guys, get out, live your life and love it all right well that was my pleasure having her on i really enjoyed learning about falconry hope you guys enjoyed it as well uh that was a very interesting discussion so um if you want to get into falconry there's someone you can reach out to and uh other than that guys just hope you have an amazing rest of your weekend spend time with loved ones get some movement in and of course get outside and like i always ended off guys get out Live your life and love it.